Our scripture reading this morning is Psalm 123, a song of ascents. To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned above the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy on us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us, for we have had more than enough of contempt. Our soul has had more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease, of the contempt of the proud. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. We are in a sermon series of Psalms of Ascent, and God has given us the Psalms so that we might know how to sing back to Him our experiences. He gives us the Psalms so that we would have words for our emotions. And as we go through different life experiences, we can sing them back to Him, and He knows what we're going through. Psalm of Ascent is how to articulate hurt and pain in life, but it's also how to articulate um, talking to God about mercy and hope. And so we're going to look at Psalm 123 this morning. But before we do that, let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. I pray that you would bless it, that it would be something that um, unites us all and would be something that encourages us and challenges us. We pray that your spirit would unite us across time and across place and in all of our hearts. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You hate waiting. I hate waiting. You think about when you're on the interstate and that guy who's going 55 decides to get into the left lane next to the 18-wheeler that's going 55 in a 70, drives drives us all insane. Or maybe you, you're on an airplane and the pilot taxis to the gate, turns off that seatbelt sign, and you're in row 47, and everyone jumps up and gets their bag, and that guy's kind of like nudging you from behind, trying to go, and you're like, dude, we gotta wait. We gotta wait like 42, 46 more rows. Simmer down. It's kind of anxiety-producing, right? I'm still waiting for my money from the deposed Nigerian prince, but, you know, whatever. But on a more serious note, we hate waiting because we have to surrender to it. We have to surrender our timeline. We have to surrender our plans. We have to surrender our desires. We have to surrender any control that we have. And that's hard. I haven't met anyone who likes learning patience. Waiting is hard. And we, I want to look at how we respond to it in two ways today, with anxiety and with fear. And I know that they overlap a little bit, but that's what we're going to look at, anxiety and fear. But when we have those experiences, Psalm 123 is here to help us, shows us what to do and how and why. First you see in verses 1 and 2, you see stuff about eyes. It says, to you, I lift up my eyes. To you, God, I lift up my eyes. 
And then at the end of verse 2, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy upon us. We're to look to God when we're waiting for mercy. This morning I just want to look at two questions. How do we do that? And why do we do that? How do we look to God for mercy when we're waiting? Well, first we need to look together. There are, I think, eight pronouns in these short four verses that are plural pronouns. And so it's showing you this is a communal psalm. This is a psalm of lament. It's a psalm that everybody would sing together. And it's to show you it's not just an individually sung psalm. It's one that we all sing together. And so it shows you you're not carrying your burdens by yourself. You're part of something bigger than just yourself. And the truth is, everyone's going through something. Everyone needs God's mercy. And we need to stop pretending that we have it all together. We need to stop pretending like we don't have a big need for God's mercy. We need to not be anxious that, you know, someone's going to find out that I need God's mercy. It's like, no, we all need God's mercy. All of us. But when we get anxious, we like grasp for control or we try to speed up the timeline. We get worried and anxious that God's not going to do what he's promised to do. Or we're anxious that we're all alone. And Psalm 123 is saying, you're not alone. You're not alone. We're in this together and we all sing of our need together. It's in our need, not just in my need. So we look together. We also, we also look patiently. We can stop pretending because waiting is hard. It is. It's difficult. And none of us like it. I mean, right now we're living in a pandemic that we don't know when it's going to end. We hate the question mark, right? Like, I hate the question mark. You know, if it told me... If they said, okay, it's going to last six more weeks or four more months or just one more year, I feel like then I could have some control back, then I could have some calmness, then I could pace myself and do it myself. But the question mark really exposes my anxiety. It exposes my lack of control, the illusion of it. And so just like this psalm does, We look together, but we also have to look patiently. We have to wait, and that's hard. But we wait for God's mercy, and when we do that together, it brings us connection. It brings us connection. It brings us together so that we can help each other have calmness and peace and hope. We can remind each other of the gospel and the good news. So we look together, and we look patiently. That's how we do it. What about why we do it? Why should God's people look to him for mercy when we're waiting? Well, as you read the psalm, verses 1 and 2, it's kind of this appeal looking to God while they're waiting. But then in verse 3, it's like it turns into a prayer. It says, have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us. And it becomes this prayer of relief. Like, have mercy on us. We're experiencing, experiencing these things and we need relief. Show us mercy. Well, what is it they need relief from? From scorn and contempt. 
That's what they need relief from. Have mercy upon us, O Lord. Have mercy upon us, for we have had more than enough of contempt. Our soul has had more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease, of the contempt of the proud. Now, I think when we are praying and when we're asking for relief, oftentimes, I said we we respond with anxiety. Another way we respond is with fear. Is fear. Fear that God has abandoned us. Fear that God's not going to do what he's promised to do. Fear that God's forgotten. Fear that God even cares. Because it definitely doesn't feel like it all the time. And it's just like the psalmist. We've had more than enough. We've had more than enough. And they're saying in verses 3 and 4, we're having more than enough contempt. Well, what's contempt? Contempt is feeling that something or someone is not worth considering. Like it's not even worth my time to consider you. That's how invaluable or that's how unvaluable you are. Not even worth considering. One commentator writes this. He says, other things can bruise, but contempt is cold steel. It goes deeper into the spirit than any other form of rejection. And it's even worse when it's casual. Daniel 12, it is one of the pains of hell. Pains of hell. The psalmist is saying, I have had more than enough of these arrogant people showing me contempt, not considering me even worth acknowledging. I've had more than enough of that. That's contempt. Well, what about scorn? You see it in verse 4, the scorn of those who are at ease. To scorn someone means to treat them as worthless. To treat them as worthless. And this, the people who are at ease could have been Israelites who were unfaithful to God or Gentiles who were indifferent to God. Either one. Could have been either one or both, actually. And when the psalmist is saying, I'm scorned, He's saying, I'm, I've had more than enough of being treated as worthless by these people who have easy lives. I'm sick of it. I've had more than enough. I can't do it. So we think about, okay, what are the circumstances of the audience? And then we think about how does the word apply to them? And then what overlap do, does that have with us in our lives and the way that we apply it to ourselves? Well, think about the original audience. They're anxious. They're scared. They're overwhelmed. They're hopeless. They're weary. They're looking to God for mercy, and they have to wait. And they're exhausted that these people who have the power to make it stop are not doing anything about it. And so people are considering them as worthless. They're worthless people. They're treated as lesser, and they've had more than enough of it. So we got to think, okay, well, how does that kind of overlap with our lives? Or how, does, how do our lives overlap with those circumstances and apply to us today? When you think about, at some point, all of us have said, I've had more than enough. I can't do this anymore. I've had more than enough, right? Like, I've had more than enough of this coronavirus. <laughs> I've had more than enough of the loneliness that this pandemic has caused. And you might say, okay, yeah, 
you've experienced four months of that or three months of that, of that loneliness. And that's hard. Could you imagine what someone who struggles with loneliness would feel if they had been struggling with it for three or four years or 10 years? Like that overlap is there and y'all are the same, but theirs is much deeper and it's different. More than enough, you might say, I've had more than enough of my boss who treats me terribly. I've had more than enough of my kids and how hard it is to parent. I've had more than enough of this money troubles. I've had more than enough depression. I'm just so tired of it. I need relief. I've had more than enough. Another area where we can see that overlap and and look for it is this. Can you imagine one time in your life, can you imagine when you've been treated with contempt, just utter disdain by somebody? Can you think of that? Can you imagine yourself being treated as if you're a lesser person because you're a Christian? Can you imagine our black brothers and sisters being treated worthless for generations? They would have had stories from their grandparents and from their parents and their own experiences, and then especially over the last three or four months. Can you imagine them being treated as worthless just because it's the color of their skin? Can you imagine immigrants being scorned by majority culture because they live in minority culture and are trying to navigate new waters? That imagining, that putting ourselves in their shoes and trying to feel something that they would feel is called empathy. It's empathy. We're imagining this level of pain that someone else would feel. And we show empathy. And that's how we properly apply the Bible. Now, let me just say, just because you thought of one time where you experienced contempt doesn't mean that you understand all of the times that the black community throughout their whole lives have experienced contempt every single day of their lives. So just so you know, there's overlap, but theirs is much deeper. Much, much deeper. So the ability to find that overlap and think about someone else different than you and feeling what they feel, it's empathy and it's beginning, it's the beginning of love. It's the beginning of love. And in Psalm 123, God is saying, look, all of you look to me. I see you. I see your pain. I see your struggle. I know it's hard to wait. I know it's hard to wait but I'm at work. I'm at work. And I'll just say again, there's, there's numerous applications and they're not all equal. They're bigger amounts of overlap for some people and smaller for other ones. Uh, and sometimes we have to show more empathy to people who have a deeper overlap. So back to this question of like, when my soul is aching, why should I look to God? You haven't answered that question yet, David. Why would we look to God when we're waiting? Well, first, there's this language in verse 2 of, of master and servants and mistress and maidservant. And the, um, 
the servant and the maid servant would have been trained strictly to watch for orders. Strictly to watch for orders. But actually what they're doing is waiting. They're desiring relief because it says, as the servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of the maidservant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to God, look to the Lord our God, till he has mercy upon us. They're desiring relief. And what's crazy is that they don't renounce their master, or just ditch them, run away, or they don't join the proud. They faithfully wait and watch for mercy and they desire relief. Also, another reason is, look at verse one. To you, I lift up my eyes. O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Enthroned in the heavens. That means you are the king in the heavens. And we know that to be God, the creator of the world, which means he is over everything. It means that he is transcendent and above everything. And that means he has power and authority and sovereignty over everything. And he can do what he wants and he's able to show mercy. And he has power over the proud. And he's our king. He's the ruler. And that's who we look to. And you might say, well, he has all that power. Does he, does he care? Well, in verses 2 and 3, did you see, if you look in your Bibles, there's Lord in all little capital letters. At the end of verse 2, it says, so our eyes look to the Lord, our God. That's God's personal name, Yahweh. So our eyes look to Yahweh, our God. Verse 3, have mercy upon us, O Yahweh, have mercy upon us. This is Yahweh's personal name who would have had a personal history with his people. He would have had a personal history that showed his reliability and uh, his trustworthiness and his steadfast love. It would have been a name that had a story with it that goes back through all these covenants. Covenant with Adam, covenant with Noah, covenant with Abraham, covenant with Isaac, covenant with Jacob, like all these different people and all these different stories showing he is faithful and he is good and he is loving and he does have this power. And all of those stories would give you assurance of his mercy. The assurance of mercy and these covenants of Yahweh and his story show us you do not have to fear that you're abandoned. You do not have to fear that you've been forgotten. And you do not have to fear that he does not care. Yahweh, the king, promised a savior. He promised that there would be a rescuer. A rescuer who would feel more than enough pain and hardship. A rescuer who looked up to God with his eyes while feeling more than enough scorn. A rescuer who was shown all the contempt of the proud. A rescuer who vulnerably asked for relief from God because of the unreal amount of pain that he was feeling. A rescuer who was slowly crucified in front of a crowd that was overwhelming with contempt. A rescuer who cried out for mercy, but didn't get it. He didn't get it. 
rather than feeling the mercy of God, he was judged. Rather than having a father rescue him, he had a judge punish him. Why? Why would Jesus do that? Jesus would do that so that you and I could have mercy from a loving father. So that you and I have the status before God of loved and approved of child. You are his son. You are his daughter. Even though you're impatient like me, even though you're um, anxious, even though you're afraid, he looks at you and he looks at me and he says, I love you. You are mine. I'm going to show you mercy. I'm going to take care of you. Even when you might not see it, And one day, someday, we will look that king, that God, in in the eye. We will look Yahweh in the eye, and he will look at us, and he will say, Well done, good and faithful servant. But he will also honor your pain, and he will honor your experiences of waiting. This is the mercy that he has shown, and that assures us that he will show more. I have a long quote here. It's uh, on the reflections, and it's a quote about Psalm 123 by our uh, current resident of theology, Rebecca Heck. She's a co-director of the IDX ministry, and she loves all of your students. This is what wonderful words she had to say about Psalm 123. She said, Psalm 123 is the wait for mercy from God. It brings out the hardship of having to sacrifice, having to serve, having to place others' needs over our wants, having to make room for others' comforts, having to deal with chronic pain, generational failings, anxiety, weariness, all of it. The psalmist calls for mercy as a community. And this is what I love this part. He would only do that if he knew in his bones that mercy was available. Did you hear that? He would only do that if he knew in his bones that mercy was available, that there was life, goodness, and mercy beyond the hardship. Look, as a Christian, no one likes to wait. But that's our call, is we wait for God's mercy. And the psalmist, I like how Becca said it, knew in his bones, the psalmist knew in his bones that mercy was available and mercy would come. Even in the midst of hardship, even in the midst of scorn and contempt. And we too know that we have a God who gave mercy through Jesus, who gives mercy through the Holy Spirit, and who will bring more mercy to us. And when we begin to believe that, we can wait for him with hope and assurance and power. 
and we will sing this psalm together. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are a needy people. We are a people who need you to provide. And Lord, I pray that you would, by your Holy Spirit, be with those that are especially struggling with that right now. Would you be with them, comfort them, make your presence known. Lord, help us all to see your past mercy, all the examples through your story, through our stories, so that it might give us hope for more more mercy to come. Amen. I just want to take a minute to have one announcement from the ministry staff and the pastors. We, need, we want to recognize that some of our congregation is going to have to take some extra caution about the coronavirus. And some of our pastors are even in that category too. Me. <laughs> My entire family is in the, the higher risk category. And so uh, we want you to know that we understand that. We want you to know that uh, our desire is not for you to feel alone. It's not for you to feel left out. We want you to do what you need to do to stay safe. We want you to know that we love you and that we're praying for you. Thanks. <laughs>